Wasn't that rousing, everybody? Uh, I'm sure I have the attention of all of my anarcho-communist friends, of which I have none, and maybe some of my syndicalist friends. Uh, that was the Internationale. It was written long before the Bolsheviks took over in Russia, which was their national anthem. It was a national anthem of, I think, the Fourth International and all communist movements up until uh, the Soviet Union came up with their own national anthem. The lyrics were changed. I'm not going to get into the lyric changes, uh, but originally, you know, one of the lyrics was there, there, there are no supreme saviors, neither God nor Caesar nor tribune. Producers, let us save ourselves. Decree the common salvation so that the thief expires, so that the spirit be pulled down from its prison. Let us fan our forges together ourselves strike the iron while it is hot you will hear that song again in a couple of months well maybe less than two months when we talk about may day speaking of may day a massive uh day in history for uh some of us on the more radical side this is the use guys in that podcast this is jay and of course with me most of the time but as always i'd like to think is angel the sound girl hello um happy belated international women's day to you angel uh Thank you. I would just like to apologize in advance for any listeners that may hear random noises in the background. We have a crazy husky named Ghost who is playing right now because he will not behave. So apologies in advance. Uh, great. Yeah. He, 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 was, he waited till this time to do something, so that's wonderful. The uh, reason why I wanted to talk about this, and a happy International Women's Day to everybody, uh, all ladies. Thank you very much. Uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, you know, when Mr. Trump was elected, there was the pussy hat thing with, you know, ladies marching in the streets about the reproductive rights and, um, you know, about, you know, misogyny and, you know, some of the things that are, that really do continue to happen in society. Uh, I wanted to talk about honoring some real revolutionary women, some women who really stood by sincere revolutionary principles, uh, women that I hold in high esteem, if not the highest esteem, at least in a philosophical sense, apart from the women that are, you know, let's say in my family or what have you. Um, you know, wearing a pussy hat doesn't make a difference to the ruling class. I hate to tell people that, you know, I understand that that's your right to march around with this hat on your head and that's fine. I'm not criticizing you in that regard. What I'm criticizing is there's a lack of, I don't want to say propaganda of the deed, but I'm, we're going to introduce you, perhaps if you don't know, some of these women who really did, in fact, do monumental things, very brave things in a time when it wasn't very popular. Uh, they were true believers, true revolutionaries. Uh, I think of them every day, not just one day, but every day of my life because they're a part of my life. Um, what you're going to hear uh, a couple of times is something we're going to cover when we get to May Day, and that's going to be the Haymarket Affair. Uh, that is a huge moment, at least in, well, not only in American anarchism, but a worldwide anarchism. And there's a lot of people in this list, and it's a, you know, an exclusive list, but there's a, a fair amount of them that cite the Haymarket riots as being something that was uh, uh, massive, uh, it had a massive impact in their life. So without any further delay, we're going to get into the list. I'm not sure if Angel really knows. I'm sure she's heard me in passing talk about some of these ladies, at least maybe one of them. And if not, that's okay. Maybe some of you who are new listeners or friends of the podcast have never been introduced to these uh, ladies, but we're going to talk about them right now. And first, we're going to talk about a lady by the name of Kate Sharpley. Now, the story that we're about to tell took place in 1917. This is during uh, World War One, when World War One was raging, rather. 
And uh, this uh, young lady was 22 years old, and uh, Queen Mary was handing out medals uh, for the fallen heroes and giving them to their widows or their next of kin. And this 22-year-old lady, um, who was said by the local press to be under the influence of some anarchist propaganda, was collecting medals for not only her dead father, but her brother and her boyfriend. When she was given the medals by the queen, she threw them right back into the queen's face, saying, if you think so much of them, you can keep them. She ended up scratching the queen's face, and one of the, her attendant ladies, I guess it's one of her courtiers, or I don't know, however a royal court courtesan works, uh, the police were really upset about that and grabbed her and beat the shit out of her. And when she was released from the police station a little while later, she didn't get charged with anything. But she was scarcely recognizable by those who, who met her once she was released. Um, once again, that was uh, her name was Kate Sharpley. She was active in a wool witch anarchist group and helped kept it going through uh, World War One. After her clash with the police, uh, she was fired from her job on a suspicion of dishonesty, even though there was uh, nothing missing. But a policeman had come to check up on her while she was on the job. And she was also selling uh, libertarian pamphlets in the street. She was recognized by the police and warned if she did appear there again, she would be charged with soliciting as a prostitute, which back in that time would have been a calamity and even a disaster if she was convicted. You know, and after this part in her life, she was uh, she was isolated from her family, and the anarchist group unfortunately had broken up, and uh, she wasn't active anymore, and she ended up moving out and getting married. Uh, there was a gentleman that ended up interviewing uh, her and asked her uh, for a message for the anarchist community in the modern era. And her answer was, quote, tell the kids they're doing all right. They don't need any advice from me. She specifically praised young women of today, quote, I wouldn't have had to take cover like I did if women of my day had the courage that women today have well you know with all that being said and that is a very nice thing to say to ladies of the movement today or rather at the you know the contemporaries of her time at the end of her life uh i think that uh, she had quite a lot of courage to throw medals of her deceased uh loved ones at the queen's face and cut her i think that that is a remarkable thing i mean if you did that thing nowadays angel i think that you would be shot um yeah i don't think you'd ever make it to a police station let alone have a trial or be warned well, that's yeah. possible, but I do remember when George W. Bush had that shoe thrown at his head, and that guy, I think, was just tackled by the Secret Service, and I don't know, I think he was, I don't remember what happened. It was but an Iraqi it, reporter. Yeah, they didn't kill him. No, no, they didn't kill him. They didn't kill him. Um, but I think if you, let's say you got awarded the Medal of Honor or something, and you got radicalized as a revolutionary on your way to get this most prestigious award, uh I think that you, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't be, maybe not in front of everybody, they'd shoot you in the basement. You know, they didn't want to have that on TV, they didn't want to have that on radio, but maybe they would shoot you in the basement. Uh, so that was uh, Kate Sharpley. Uh, she has, uh, there's a library that's been named for her. You can find that library online, katesharpleylibrary.net. It uh, exists to preserve and promote uh, anarchist history. So we thank Kate and we remember her always. Uh, next, we're moving on to a lady by the name of Louise Michel. Uh, she was a French anarchist revolutionary who was born in 1830. And she was a teacher who also fought in combat on the front lines with the National Guard in defense of the Paris Commune. 
Uh, instead of the slow and steady legal reform of political liberalism, she believed in and advocated for the use of violence to, provo- to prove political points. So I guess you would classify that under propaganda of the deed. Uh, while the Germans were laying siege to Paris in 1870, and Michelle worked as a medic with the ambulance service and aided in repelling of invading Prussian forces. Uh, at the time, France was a place of a lot of turmoil politically, uh, and the French government tried to disarm Parisians who had established this commune, but Michelle took up arms and fought back. She would later be brought up on charges, and her mother was arrested and held as a hostage until... Madame Louise, Louise Michel surrendered and was sent to prison. She refused legal counsel and defended herself in court. She was sentenced to deport, uh, deportation and exile. Michel would then be imprisoned again on more charges, even while awaiting deportation. She ended up spending many of her future days in exile, studying and writing anarchist literature. But eventually, members of the Paris Commune were granted amnesty, and Louise Michel returned to France. Um, She did continue to protest and fight for the rights of the individual, and she would unfortunately be uh, again arrested in 1883. And after an unsuccessful attempt at representing herself in the court, she was sentenced to six years in prison. Uh, She continued her life in France, in and out of prison, uh, very vocal about what she believed in in her opinions and principles. She even faced an assassination attempt. She was shot by someone who didn't like her ideas. Uh, she survived and remained a revolutionary until her death, which was in 1905. And I love a quote that I pulled from her, and it is, And as I advanced in the, in, in the tale, I came to love reliving this time of struggle for freedom, which was my true existence. And I love losing myself in the memory of this. Uh, she wrote, and this is from her uh, book. I guess it's a short. It's a short book. Uh, you can get the PDFs for free online. And again, that's Louise Michel, and the name of uh, the story comes from Memoirs of the Commune. Uh, next, we'll be discussing uh, Marie Louise Berneri. Uh, I got a lot of this information from libcom.org. Definitely not a friend of the podcast, even though I'd be glad to be friends with them. But libertarian communism, I don't think they're really huge fans of people like us. But that's okay. I'll still be friends with them. Uh, Marie-Louise Berneri was born in Italy in 1918, which was a time of political upheaval and social change to a father who was politically controversial. With her, uh, she was influenced by her father, and her family was forced into exile in 1926 for their steadfast resistance to Italian fascism and its rise under Mussolini. And they eventually had to settle in Sorbonne in France. In the 1930s, she began the publication of anarchist papers, writing in French and editing a publication in her native Italian. When war broke out in Spain, her father went to fight on the front lines. And by the way, he was assassinated by communists in 1937. While she continued the publication, she branched it out to England. Uh, Benary was soon publishing in Spanish, English, French, and Italian, and very much a literary powerhouse. After the Spanish Civil War, she was a vital figure in caring for the children of, of, uh, that were orphaned by the war. As the editor of a paper called War Commentary, she was arrested with three other editors and tried for incitement. 
but she was released on a technicality when the other three stood trial. But even after the threat of imprisonment, her principles and drive remained, and she continued on the publication. She would continue to publish anarchist work until her sudden death in 1949 during childbirth, where she lost her baby as well. And unfortunately, she was only 31. May she rest in peace. That's terrible. Isn't it, though? But in such a short life, she was able to do so much for something that she believed in that was a noble cause. And, you know, we really salute her. I really salute her. I think that uh, she's a wonderful example of, you know, of powerful women, uh, women that don't have to answer to anybody. Uh, Very brave. Uh, She did write Peter Kropotkin, His Federalist Ideas. And that's available at revoltlib.com. Once again, I don't think that they're friends of the program. However, they're welcome to be friends of the program. You have to forgive my ignorance, but can somebody be libertarian and communist at the same time? That seems like it contradicts each other. Well, while we don't want to get into the origins of the word libertarian, libertarian was synonymous with anarchists, especially in France. Libertarian was always associated with the left and being radical. Only in the United States does libertarian mean something that is not radical left. It means, I guess, radical right or uh, third way, right-leaning in this country. Uh, There's a lot of people who identify themselves as libertarians, but they're libertarians in name only because they really do. They really are statists, and they believe in border walls and the structure of government. They're minarchists. They believe that you need to have the police and the courts and some sort of federal system. Uh, libertarian in the traditional sense, in the original sense, was meaning anarchist. Gotcha. Okay. I hope that clears that up for you there. Yeah, Angel. it helps me understand a little bit more. Excellent. So we're going to move on to a native daughter of uh, the United States. Uh, great story. Um, very tragic for her in the beginning. Really tough way to start. Uh, her name was Lucy Parsons. Um, and the Chicago Police Department said at one time she was more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Now, that's something I would wear like a badge of fucking honor. What a nice thing to say about somebody. I think that's wonderful. As a lady, by the way, oh, a lady, this isn't a gentleman. Uh, Lucy Parsons, she was born in Texas in 1853 and went down in history as the, fir- one, as the first non-white female activist in the United States. She was of mixed background, half African-American, half white. She would never talk about who her father was because the rumor was her father was her slave master, unfortunately, or the slave master of her mother, excuse me. Oh, that's terrible. It is terrible. Uh, but uh, regardless of her origins, uh, she has made a lasting impact on the movement and uh, in American history, she joined many political movements, and it was outspoken at the time when the United States was going through the racially charged Civil War and subsequent Jim Crow era. And when it comes to radical ideas of the time, Lucy, well, Lucy's were definitely the most extreme, as she adamantly believed that the government needed to be entirely dismantled and capitalism needed to be destroyed at all costs. Lucy continued to write and protest what she felt were racial, economic, and sexist injustices and would eventually marry a man named Albert Parsons. Uh, Albert Parsons is very famous for a big reason. He was one of the martyrs of the Haymarket Affair who was tried unjustly and found guilty on uh, circumstantial evidence at best, and he was hanged by the state. He is a martyr of the movement, and that was her husband. Um, they did meet, and uh, unfortunately, she was widowed. Um, she, uh, Albert Parsons, was a uh, a big uh, part of getting her into the movement. But once she was part of the movement, she didn't rely on her husband, you know, to be 
the reason why she was known throughout the community, which I think is huge. Uh, Lucy Parsons would go on to fight for freedom and publish works on anarchism, becoming a figure notable for striving for racial equality in the United States. In 1892, she briefly published a periodical, Freedom, a Revolutionary Anarcho-Communist Monthly. She was often arrested for giving public speeches or distributing anarchist literature. While she continued championing the anarchist cause, unfortunately she came into ideological conflict with someone we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast, whom I love very dearly, uh, Ms. Emma Goldman, over her focus on class politics over gender and sexual struggles. Um, in 1905, she participated in the founding of, in my opinion, uh, the best union in the United States of America, even though economically I can't really agree with them. She was a founding member of the Industrial Workers of the World, the Wobblies, the IWW, which, by the way, is run by members and not by a hierarchy. It is run by workers. They don't have professional union guys like I'm a member of a union myself. And um, my union boss, he, does, he has soft hands. The president of our local has very soft hands. Not the hands of somebody who works on a dock. Not the son, because not we're part of a uh, a union that works with uh, telecommunications people that work on telephone lines. Part of AT and T and Verizon workers. And uh, when I met the the president at uh, for the local at a at a holiday party a while ago, I just I first of all the handshake was very soft. wasn't impressed. wasn't impressed at all. Handshake's got to be strong. You're the president of the union. You know you got to. It'd be tough, you know, at least that's the way I understood it. Very soft hands, and our union, I wish it was stronger, uh, you know, not like the Wobblies who actually fought the police and the National Guard on behalf of workers. Again, regardless of how you feel about their economic policy, they do stand on principle, and there's a lot to be said for that. So Lucy Parsons was one of the founding members of that union. Um, she focused more on class struggles around poverty and employment, and she organized the Chicago Hunger Demonstrations in 1915, which, push, which, which pushed the American Federation of Labor, the Socialist Party, and Jane Addams's Hull House to participate in huge demonstrations on the 12th of February. She is quoted as saying, My conception of the strike of the future is not, a stri- not to strike and go out and starve, but to strike and remain in and take possession of the necessary property of production. Uh, she anticipated the sit-down strikes in the U.S. and later workers' factories taking over in Argentina. Um, she wrote one, I guess, treatise, uh, maybe a book if you want to call it a pamphlet. It's called A Word to Tramps, and that, once again, is free uh, on the Internet if you do a search. So we're very grateful for Lucy Parsons and her contribution to the revolutionary movement. Once again, I think people need to take time to appreciate, even if you don't agree with the economic points of view of some of these women and once again anarcho-communism was the first anarchism uh anarcho-capitalists or so-called ancaps would like to think that uh that it's runs contradictory to anarchism but the way they saw it uh anarcho-communists looked at uh anarchism at the balance of the individual and the needs of the community being met because it's the absence of the state uh, you find a lot of these people who are resisting like Stalinist-style communism um, and uh, Bolshevik-style communism, which Stalinism comes from. Uh, next, we're going to talk about an, uh, a wonderful American anarchist, even though with a very deceptive name, and her name was Voltairine de Clare, named for the uh, famous Frenchman Voltaire, who wrote uh, several works, one of which uh, I really enjoyed, called Candide. Uh, she was born in 1866 and was a writer. 
uh, who would be one of the first American anarchists to put pen to paper. She was inspired to anarchism due to the Haymarket Affair and become extremely critical of the social order of the time, the government, capitalism, and more. She was anti-marriage, anti-state, anti-government, and was against social ideals of the time, which held that men and religions had the right to control women's sexuality. On December 19th of 1902, a former male pupil of hers named Herman Heckler made an attempt on her life. She survived, though. She would live with the pain and health issues for the rest of her days. Heckler actually had been stricken with fever and gone insane, and Declare spoke in his defense saying that his insanity was not his fault and that it was a disease rather than malice which caused the attack. And she spoke out against standing armies, saying they made wars more likely, and also fought against forced beauty standards on women at the time. She was an anti-state individualist through and through, and staunchly fought for the rights of the individual for nearly her entire life. And Emma Goldman, who was quoted as saying of Declare, quote, the most gifted and brilliant anarchist woman America ever produced. That is quite a tribute coming from, in my opinion, the number one anarchist that ever existed in this country. Um, she wrote, Declare herself wrote, quote, The first act of our life was to kick against an unjust decree of our parents, and we have unflinchingly stood for the kicking principle ever since. Now, if the word kicking is in bad repute with you, substitute non-submission, insubordination, rebellion, revolt, revolution, whatever name you please, which expresses non-acquiescence to injustice. Um, I encourage some of you to try to get that tattooed on your back. I think it would make a marvelous tattoo, but a very large one at that. I think it's t-shirt worthy. Uh, wonderful lady. Uh, may she rest in peace. And uh, we appreciate her contributions to the cause. Um, what do you think about that one, Angel? Have you found a favorite yet? No, they all sound pretty cool. I, I kind of like the, the mixed lady. I don't remember her name. That would be Lucy Parsons. Yeah, Lucy Parsons. Yeah, I kind of liked her because it seemed like she kind of struggled a little bit more than the average um, lady anarchist we've come across so far in, in the certain time frame being that she was mixed and she had a husband that was white and that, you know, that was sort of frowned upon um, back then and she went out and achieved anyway. So we're very proud of her. Yes, and proud we are of all of them. Yes. But we're getting to the number one right now. This is my personal favorite. Uh, one of my, I guess, one of my favorite anarchist influences. Uh, right up there with Murray Rothbard, right up there with Samuel Conkin III. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of this lady. And, uh, you know, my mother is from the Bronx. And uh, I, when I was a statist as a young man, I used to deride my mother for not going to vote because I'm like, Mom, you know, your ancestors struggled very hard, uh, for, you know, to, to get the vote, suffrage for ladies, you know, this is very, you know, this is this is a right of yours. This is important. And my mother used to say to me, do you really think it makes a difference if they if if, if it really made a difference, they wouldn't let you do it. I had no idea my mother, who only has a high school education, which is fine, I'm not being critical here. My mother was channeling Emma Goldman because Emma Goldman is the one who said if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal. 
Uh, my mother had no idea who Emma Goldman was. But here I was. Like The more I think about it, my mother radicalized me more in the back of my head probably than anybody in the beginning because... She still doesn't know who Emma Goldman is. No. Just FYI. No, she doesn't know who she is. But, uh, you know, it's just funny how, you know, even someone like her who only has a high school education is extremely skeptical of the system in a stream. Like, like an, almost like in a George Carlin way. Like, I don't buy the bullshit. I'm not participating and so I'd like to take this moment to thank her. She's not exactly the most revolutionary person, but uh, uh, she definitely had the right idea. So, of course, without further ado, we'll talk about Miss Emma Goldman. Uh, and when it comes to uh, when it comes to Emma Goldman, she's probably at the top of many people's badass women of history, at least in the contemporary. Uh, she was born in Russia in 1869. She moved to the United States and grew up to dedicate her life to forwarding the cause radical freedom of the individual becoming especially militant after the hanging of several anarchist labor demonstrators in Chicago in 1886. And yes, once again, we are talking about the Haymarket Affair. And just to give you guys a little more context, the Haymarket Affair was about a peaceful gathering of workers who were protesting for an eight-hour workday and against police brutality. All they were asking for was for the police not to beat the shit out of them and to only have to work eight hours a day. Isn't that kind of what we're still doing now? What, working eight hours a day and getting our ass kicked by the police? Yeah. Except the cops have tanks now. Well, like, some people are forced to even work longer than that because of certain situations, you know. So you still kind of have that going on today and on a small scale. I agree with that, but uh, it's funny how I uh, will get into the Haymarket affair when we cover it, uh, in, you know, as a uh, tribute to what happened that day. But all I'm going to say is that as history has gone on, the people who were uh, convicted of starting the riot and killing a policeman were uh, were exonerated for uh, whatever crime. It was found that they were not guilty of what happened, and in fact, that the cops actually started the whole thing. Uh, but from here, from this point forward, from the Haymarket Affair, she would fight for the right to birth control and women's rights in general. She would be arrested and imprisoned during World War I because she protested compulsory military service for men. She spent two years behind bars but remained unbroken. After her release, she was deported for her protests. Yes, she was so vocal and so radical for the time that she was deported for protesting alone. From this point forward, Goldman lived in political exile, never really finding a, quote, home to live in. She traveled to Russia and experienced the Russian Revolution, but became quickly angered by the authoritarianism she saw there, too. And, of course, she was vocal about it, protesting the newly formed Soviet state. In 1989, a document was uncovered in which she questioned Vladimir Lenin ruthlessly for his oppression of anarchists within the Soviet Union. Goldman then left the USSR and actually registered as an anarchist and oppressed class within the nation at the time and was now at political war with both the USSR and the United States. She spent the rest of her life uh, in exile, roaming and fighting for rights of people to be free and wrote in detail about her convictions. Very few people have stood up against the might of both the United States and the Soviet Union, which earned Goldman her place in history as one of the world's most badass anarchist women. Goldman can be quoted as saying, quote, I want freedom, the right to self-expression, and everybody's right to be beautiful, radiant things. 
that's why she's at the top of my list. And that doesn't mean that these people get medals. I just, if you had to pick a favorite, if I'm forced to pick a favorite, it's got to be Emma Goldman. She has several works under her name, Anarchism and Other Essays, The Social Significance of the Modern Drama, My Disillusionment in Russia, My Further Disillusionment in Russia, Living My Life, and Voltairine de Claire. She wrote a book dedicated to whom she thought, as we discussed previously, uh, the best, uh, the greatest American anarchist ever. Um, that concludes our very short but distinguished list of revolutionary women. I hope that those of you who have listened uh, learned something. And uh, if you got anything you would like to comment on, if you would like to talk to us, uh, the email address is useguysandthat. That's one word, useguysandthat at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle and Instagram handle are the same. It's at useguyspod. We are on the following platforms, Podbean, Google uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes. We're still waiting approval from iHeartRadio. And, of course, we are on Spotify Podcasts. Um, that's all we have for today. We may or may not be back tomorrow for a, another special of Fuck You Friday. Uh, I don't know. We might do something for Suck It Saturday. I'm not sure. Uh, depending on the virus and the zombies coming to the door. Um, I was trying my best not to mention it, but it's just something that's taken over everything. So it depends. If we're fighting zombies, you may not hear from us. Uh, if we're not fighting zombies, then uh, you might, you probably will hear from us, and we'll try to pick something out that's interesting to talk about. But if anybody really, I hope this touched somebody, especially you know any ladies that are listening to the podcast. These are wonderful examples of true revolutionary women, women that of great courage, uh, and women who were not born into positions of privilege, who had to suffer for the duration of their lives for their beliefs. You know, it's easy to hide behind privilege. It's easy to hide behind wealth and station and advocate for, quote, the working class or for revolutionary principles of, of individualism. But when you are either, you know, of a female immigrant or a, uh, an immigrant of mixed race, uh, you know, like Lucy Parsons and her husband, Albert, had to move out of Texas because their interracial marriage was so inflammatory to the people down there that they had to move to Chicago. They went from Texas to Chicago because a white fella and a black and a half black lady, half white lady, got together and got married, uh, which was really nobody's business, regardless of how they felt about it. Uh, you know, these are people that had to make serious sacrifices and changes, and people who did make huge contributions, at least in the labor movement, and of course in uh, revolutionary thinking. So uh, I hope if I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give us a shout. Please uh, feel free to like, subscribe, download, follow us on all platforms, drop us a line. If you want us to talk about a subject, we're well open to it. Uh, we're looking to have a couple of guests on here. Our best wishes go out to Randy. Randy is, is braving the climate of fear, and uh, he's going to be flying out to Hawaii on business. Uh, so we wish Randy the best. I hope he shortened up his Twitter handle because I can't. I don't remember all the, the numbers. He's he's listed on the on the Twitter page. You can find him on there. So we wish Randy nothing but the best and safe travels. Um, shout out again to my uh, fellow grad school students. Uh, you guys are the best. We'll get through this stupid fucking thing together. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate Angel the Sound Girl here for running the soundboard. And uh, my anarchist dog who runs around and makes a lot of noise, especially when he knows we're recording because, you know, that's what he's for, insurrection. So with that, I thank everybody. Again, get a hold of us. Let us know. 
And uh, from me, Jay, I wish you all the best. And from Angel the Sound Girl, have a good night. Thank you, everybody.